Well, it's after Christmas now. It's after Christmas now, is it not? Just, I'm going to, it is, all right, it is indeed. Um, Sally, have you taken your decorations down yet? No. <laughs> after Christmas, what happens? Lots of things happen after Christmas, don't they? Turkey sandwiches. Anyone had turkey sandwiches? No, no. Turkey sandwiches are a, are a big one. Sometimes turkey sandwiches frozen for months, aren't they? Yeah, you're going back to the freezer. Oh, I've still got turkey. It's July. Turkey sandwiches are a thing. Return to school. Yeah? Return to work. Yeah, great. That's good stuff. Pajamas until midday is no longer an option, is it? Right? It's not, not the done thing anymore. We've got to take all the Christmas stuff down as well. Got to take all the decorations down. Got to stick it in a box. We did this yesterday. Um... And, uh, well, I say we, we take down the decorations. There's something different about taking down the decorations to putting them up, isn't there? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? See, when we put them up, right? I don't know if it's the same in your house. When we put them up, it's a nice occasion, right? Glass of wine. Got some Christmas music going. Usually uh, Nat King Cole. Anyone a fan? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, we take out each decoration one by one. And we reminisce, oh, do you remember when we went to Dublin and got this one? And, and oh, look at this happy memory that this decoration brings to mind. And it's all very, very nice. Putting Christmas up is an event, yeah? When we take it down, it's not like that, is it? It's a mission at that point. And, uh, and we were on that mission yesterday. So we, I was on the mission yesterday um, doing that. My mum and dad came around. They helped me out. Sam was... Um, Doing, doing something else. <laughs> she was taking care of the new little daughter. So that's nice. Interestingly, she... Oh, never mind. <laughs> the joyous time after Christmas... Uh, it, it, the joyous time is now a blur, right? The joyous time is, is, now, is now a blur, and the reality of January hits home, yeah? Do we know that? The reality of January hits home. Just after Christmas can be can be a time that doesn't inspire too much joy, doesn't inspire too much uh, too much um, uh, a joyous occasion. It's rainy, it's cold, but it's not Christmassy anymore. And I believe that God wants to speak into this season for us right now. I believe that God wants to speak into this time after the festivities and, and he has something really important to say to us this morning. So are, are you ready? Because I really believe that we're hearing from God this morning. Uh, in fact, I always believe that because, um, because God, God, God is the one that defines our preaching series. He's the one that defines uh, how we do things uh, here. And, uh, you know, we as a leadership, we try our best to, to have an ear to heaven and to hear from God and what he wants to do and what he wants to teach. And so I believe this message this morning is for us and it's for this time. Is that okay? So if you can open uh, your Bibles, if you've got one, if you haven't got a Bible, you need to get one. Uh, but if you haven't got one, you can find one at the back there. You can, uh, there's, there's loads there. You can take one. It's free. We believe that everybody needs access to the Word of God. But if you can open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2, this is the birth of Jesus. This is the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. And, uh, and, and there's some context, pre-context in Luke 21. And obviously the Old Testament is, is a massive pre-context uh, that sort of um, uh, makes way and prophesies about the birth of Jesus. 
And, uh, and Luke 2, 1 to 40, describes the time that Jesus was born. And, and the angels and the, and the shepherds and the wise men and, uh, and all that fun stuff that we spent December uh, talking about. And look, do you remember that? Yeah? Wasn't that long ago? Do you remember? I'm going to need, to, I'm gonna need you to, to give me some, some feedback this morning, church, if that's all right. Yeah? Because it's the first sermon in January. All right? All right? I've forgotten how to do it. So Luke 2, 1 to 40, describes this whole nativity story, and we should be really familiar with that uh, by now. Marvelous. Everyone is happy. But there's an odd thing. There's an odd thing that happens uh, in my Bible uh, anyway. And, and it's almost as if it's a little tag on the end of the birth of Jesus. It's almost like it's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit random, in fact. And it's Luke 2, chapter 41, and then through to 52. And this, this part of the story, this part of, uh, of, of the, uh, of, of the, of the um, events, this actually happened, scholars reckon, about 12 years uh, after what happened in Luke 1 to 40. So it's, it's, it's not immediately after. It's not immediately after the birth of Jesus. There was a 12-year gap here, roughly. And, uh, and this is the only part of the Bible where we get any insight into Jesus' uh, childhood. Yeah, It's the only part. We, we hear about Jesus' birth, and then we hear a lot about Jesus' uh, ministry, three-year ministry, walking around, talking, teaching, miracles, uh, all that sort of thing, and then obviously eventual crucifixion. But this short tag on, on the end of Luke 2, is the only part of the story where we hear about Jesus' childhood. So I'll start, I'll read from Luke 2, 41. We read this. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So Jesus' family, they celebrate this Passover uh, every year. The Passover festival, for those of you that don't know, is, uh, was and is still the biggest festival for the Jewish people. The biggest festival of the whole year. It is the festival in the Jewish calendar where God's people remember and recall and celebrate and thank God that God uh, delivered the Jewish people from uh, slavery in Egypt. Yeah? Where they were, they were enslaved by uh, by uh, by the Egyptians, by the Pharaoh in Egypt, and uh, they were they were freed. Remember the the, the Red Sea, uh, the the parting of the sea, that that one. Yeah, are we? Do you know which one I mean? Or do we need to pause this sermon and do a sermon on that? No, we know that. Okay, cool. So uh, so God delivered His people. Um, ten plagues, uh, all that sort of thing. And, uh, and so the Passover is the festival where Jews remember and thank God uh, for, for what happened there. Thank you. Um, thank you. That's really helpful. I have, however, lost my train of thought. <laughs> No, 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 it's not your fault. Thank you very much for that, because things were sliding down. It was a total nightmare. We nearly had to cancel the whole thing. 
Christmas and Easter are similar festivals for us, right? They're similar festivals in terms of uh, our celebration and what, and what we celebrate as Christians with the revelation of the New Testament when we, uh, when we celebrate and, and we recall and we give thanks f- uh, for the goodness of God first that he was born. Yeah, that's Christmas. Yeah. And then secondly, uh, Easter, that he died. And uh, more importantly, or, or, or the, the part of that really, uh, is that he died for our sins, that we may get to enjoy eternal life. Amen. So these are, are our two uh, festivals that are kind of similar in size-ish to, uh, to the Passover uh, for uh, for the Jews. And so this Passover festival, this is a significant time uh, of joyous celebration. And they traveled from where they lived in Nazareth to Jerusalem for the festival. Yeah. And presumably they had a great time there. Yeah. Thanking God, praising God, worship, all sorts of stuff. But then we read what happens after the festivities and the celebration. From Luke 2.43, we read this. After the festival was over, while his parents are returning home. So Jesus' family have to return home. They have to travel home. The festivities are over, and now, now they're going home. Reality has hit. They've gone to, they've gone from, sorry, festivity to reality uh, in, this, in this time, back to a mundane life in first century Nazareth as a carpenter. Yeah? They've gone from festivity to reality, and it's a three-day walk as well to get there. Just rub salt in the wound. All the, all, the, all the festivities are over, and you have to walk three days to get home. There's no Ubers. There's no Ubers. So this is, this is what's happening after, after this. Uh, these festivities for for the Jewish people, for Jesus' family. And I believe that there is something significant about God placing this story, this part of the story, seemingly completely at random, after the birth of Jesus in our Bibles, after our festivities. See, Mary and Joseph were walking home, and then something really bad happens. Something terrible happens. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. They were unaware of it. Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. That's not funny. Mary and Joseph, they lose Jesus. They lose Jesus. Now, I've heard that this is a common uh, occurrence for parents, sadly. Supermarkets, yeah, play parks, shopping centers. Fortunately, I've never had this experience yet. But I assume that when that happens for a parent, there is a, a significant gut-wrenching feeling of sickness and, uh, and, and you know, something that goes on deep in the pit of your stomach. Is that accurate, parents? Yeah? Okay. Can't wait. So there is a, there's, there's a preach to parents somewhere here, isn't there, yeah? There's a preach to parents somewhere here, something about don't let the children out of your sight, or, or something perhaps about don't worry because even the mother of God lost Jesus, so you're not doing that badly. There's some kind of sermon there, something like that. But this message from the Lord this morning, this is, this is for all of us. See, Jesus wasn't with them, but they were unaware of it. Jesus wasn't with them, but they were unaware of it. Of it. In fact, more, more than that. 
from verse 44. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then, only then, then they began looking for him among relatives and friends. They thought Jesus was with them. They thought Jesus was with them. Yeah, of course he is. He's around here somewhere. Of course, he's a, of course he's with us. Of course he's, he's with us. And they traveled a full day assuming Jesus was with them, assuming they'd included him, assuming that they brought him along, just assuming he was there. In fact, they were sure he was there. Do you know how I know they were sure? The Bible doesn't say that, but we can infer from the fact that they were parents because there is no way parents would leave a place without being sure that their kid was with them. Again, parents, confirm for me. So they were sure that Jesus was with them because there is definitely no way the parents who knew that they were raising God, the Son of God, would leave without being sure that Jesus was with them. And so they traveled, they went, they, they left the festivities and they were going back to their lives and they were absolutely sure that Jesus was with them. And it turns out, that he wasn't. Cheery. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel a bit convicted at this point. On my own. I feel a bit convicted at this point. Not like a bad kind of convicted, like I've done something, like I've been naughty. All right, not, not, not like that. But it's kind of a, a preemptive kind of convicted. A preemptive kind of convicted where I know that there's something that I need to do. Or that there's something that I need to ensure. See, Mary and Joseph, they traveled a full day before they realized their son was missing. Now, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of, a lot of time. But they, was, they were sure that he was with them, but he wasn't. Because even, even though they were sure, they weren't actually sure. Even though they were sure, they weren't actually sure. They couldn't see him. It was just an assumption, wasn't it? Yeah? Just a, an, an assumption. They didn't actually check. They didn't actually check. Now, there's a trick parents use. I've seen this uh, in play. <laughs> and, uh, and it probably actually originated because of this story, where if, if we're going on a walk or whatever around a lake, um, you'd send the kids ahead of you. Yeah? Have we heard of that? Yeah. All right. It's a, it's, it's a classic move. You, you send the kids ahead of you so that you can see the child at all times, yeah? Yeah? Does that make sense? That, I mean, that just makes sense. Even, even for those of us that, that, that don't know about, you know, what it's like to, to parent toddlers and what have you, you can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also means that they're not always turning around to look, doesn't it? Come on, church, this morning. Does it mean that? It does, it does, it does, in which case we, we reduce the risk of repetitive strain injury. It's amazing. Anyway, <clears throat> if Mary and Joseph had employed the upfront trick, then uh, uh, following Jesus, instead of just assuming he was, he was with them, we wouldn't have this situation, would we? If they'd employed the upfront trick, much anguish could have been avoided if Jesus was upfront. Much anguish could have been avoided if Jesus was up front. And so that got me to think, I wonder how much anguish could be avoided in my life if I knew that Jesus was up front. 
I wonder how much anguish I could avoid in my life if I could actually see and focus on Jesus rather than just assuming that he is there somewhere. If he is up front on my own walk through my life, if I could actually see Jesus. But here's the big one. Here's the big one. Because it goes, it goes deeper in the first sermon on 2024. <laughs> See, I, I felt that God asked me the question when I was preparing this sermon. Okay, that's great. Make sure Jesus is up front. How far would I get on my walk before I even realized that Jesus wasn't there? Or more accurately, if I, if I hadn't actively invited and included Jesus with me? Or that he's not up front and in my focus. See, there have been seasons in my, can I be honest? There have been seasons in my life that I've gone a fair way, a fair way without or before realizing that I had not invited Jesus. There have been seasons in my life where I've gone far in, down a particular route or in a particular pursuit or whatever else it might be, and I have and, and, and I've gone too far before realizing I haven't invited Jesus into this. I can't see Jesus here. When we pack away after Christmas, we take down the decorations, don't we? And, uh, and as I say, we uh, we packed away yesterday uh, all our all our stuff. And uh, and I left I left one out. I left this one out. This is this is our nativity scene. Anyone got one of these? All Christian homes come equipped right. with one of these. If you don't have one, well, there's no condemnation, but you need to get one. It's not as important as the Bible from earlier, but you do need one of these. And uh, and you'll notice in here, or you won't be able to see, but but you'll remember your own because you've all got one. I know you have. There's a little figure. There's a little figurine of the, of the baby Jesus. And, uh, and usually every year it gets packed away. It gets packed away uh, into the box with all, with all the Christmas stuff. But this year as we're packing away, in fact, most of us have already packed away Christmas and we've, we've packed away the nativity scene with the little, little baby Jesus there. But I need to make a conscious effort and I'd invite you to, to join me to make a conscious effort this year at the, at the start of 2024 that we're packing away the little figurine of the baby Jesus, but that we're not packing away Jesus. That we're not packing away. Jesus doesn't go into a box, only to come out at Christmas in the form of a, of a figurine in a little manger. Jesus is with us the whole year. Yeah, He stays with us the whole year, but that is a decision that I need to make. It's a decision that, that you need to make. And so as we set off on this journey of 2024, the journey in January, which is away from the festivities, away from festivity and into reality, the journey into what can be or what can certainly appear to be the mundane, before you leave, why don't you do a head count? Why don't you do a head count? This is another tactic Mary and Joseph could have used. Before we set off, let's make sure that Jesus is with us. That he's going ahead of us, that we can see him 
at all times, that he's in our view, that we are following him, that he's in our focus. Let's don't just assume that he's here somewhere. But let us actively include Jesus on the journey with us. Amen? Amen? Let's start of 2024. Let us make sure that Jesus is with us. And so that, that raises a question of practicality, doesn't it? It raises a question, well, Dom, this is all very, very well and good. But how do I actively include Jesus? How do I actively invite Jesus into, into my life in 2024? Because I've invited him into my heart and, 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 I'm, and I'm assured of my salvation. I'm assured of my eternity. But how do I ensure that Jesus is with me all the time? How do I ensure uh, that I'm following him? That I'm, that I'm not just going off without, well, I've got some ideas. Do, would you like them? Nah, that's good. I'm going to give them you anyway. The first one is this. Worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Corporately, together, as a body. This is a, this is a, a church. It's not a, a church is weird because it's not, it's, not, it's not a meeting place of individuals. It's not like we go to the cinema. You know when you go to the cinema and you're just concerned with sitting in your seat and, and you're watching the thing and, and that's, kind of, that's how the cinema works, isn't it? You, you're, there as an, you're not there as a group. You're not there as an audience. You don't know anybody else. Same with theatre and other art forms such as that. Th- that's not what the church is. It's confusing because the seats are laid out in a similar way. But, but that's not what a church is. A church is a, is, is a family, it's a, it's a body of, of believers um, that, that are all united by the blood of Jesus and by a, 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 um, a shared heart to pursue the will and purpose of God. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you to worship him with your church. Make church a, a staple, a non-negotiable part of your week. It's, it's one hour a week, it's so unbelievably important for continuously framing and giving us perspective alignment to our lives. Amen? Number two is this, serve him. See, Jesus came, even Jesus came to serve and not be served. And so I'd encourage you, you want to invite Jesus with you wherever you go. You want to ensure that your, uh, that your life is soaked with Jesus. Commit to serve God in some way. Could be at church or it could be outside the church. When we serve, Jesus said that when we serve even the least of people in his name, we serve him. Amen? Yeah? Number three, meet with him. Carve out a daily, daily time, quiet time with the Lord. I know this is hard. I know this is hard. I've recently discovered how hard it can be. Here's my current method. Can I share it with you? You don't have to do this. Just show my method, right? See, I read my Bible for 15 minutes a day. This is kind of outside of, I do study as well for when I'm preparing a sermon. But that's kind of separate. Um, so I read my Bible for 15 minutes a day. I follow a Bible plan. Um, did you know this? It only takes 15 minutes of Bible reading every day to read your Bible in a year. Who knew that? Yeah? It's not bad, is it? Number two, after I've read my Bible, and, I, and, and here's the thing, here's the important thing. When I, when I read my Bible in the morning um, for 15 minutes, I don't try to extract any theological points or, you know, um, uh, really get, some, get something from it, if you like. I just relax. 
and just read as the Lord speak to me. And if, if, he, if he does, he does. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And that's fine. You need to take the pressure off sometimes. Do you ever feel like when you take the pressure off? Oh, I need to read my Bible and get a massive theological point. No, we don't. We just need to read our Bible. Uh, number two, after that, I, I pray. And I pray for, uh, for in two main ways. Firstly, I thank God for something. One thing I thank God for. And the second thing is that I ask God for something, something specific. And then after, after that, uh, so I, I spend about seven to ten minutes in prayer. Uh, and then after that, the last thing I do is I spend three to five minutes in worship, putting on a song, worship song, Carrie James, a great one. Um, and I just worship. And I just listen. Sometimes I sing if I know the words. Sometimes I don't, if I don't know the words. But I just spend this, this time, I carve it out. And I know it's hard, but I, f- I feel it's really important. So that's number three, meet with him. Number four, encourage others in him. Encourage others in him. You know, when we're, we're encouraging others in their faith, it boosts our own faith. I don't know if you've noticed that. I've certainly noticed that in my life a lot. So be part of a life group. Be part of a life group uh, to build one another up, to encourage one another, encourage others in their faith, teach, learn, discuss, pray, join a life group today. If there isn't a life group near you or if they're all full, then you can start one. I would invite you to speak to Paul, um, but he's, he was here. He's had to leave he's an emergency. Um, but uh, you speak to Alex. There's Alex in the back. Um, but join a life group. If you can't join one, start one, uh, because it's really not that hard. It's really not that hard. Number five, involve him. Involve him in every aspect and area of your life. Every aspect and area. Open up a daily and continuous dialogue with the Lord in all situations, in all circumstances. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how you feel when you didn't get the parking space. Tell him how you feel when, you know, when you... Something good happened. I can't think of a good thing. But, but just minor things. Minor things. Thank him for provision at all times. Ask him for peace in every situation and circumstance, just in every area of our lives. Communication with God doesn't have to be a singular set-apart time of, of, of dedicated prayer. I mean, that's important as well, but it doesn't have to be just dedicated prayer. We light the candles, you know, stick on some music in the background, and that's our time with God. That's not how it, that's, I mean, that's cool, that's important, but that's not just the only thing. Continuous dialogue with God. And number six. Number six is the best one. You ready? You'll love number six. Don't expect it to be easy. I read a book uh, once. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. The takeaway is this. Um, It's not actually that easy to include, invite, and involve God in your life. That's, who, who knows? Yeah? It's not actually that easy uh, to do that. Now, we could get into the theological uh, and spiritual uh, reasons for that, about how there's, you know, spiritual battles occurring, uh, 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 trying to ensure that we don't uh, spend time and have relationship with God. But, you know, we're not going to go there today. We just know that it is not actually that easy. Anyone who is trying to sell you an easy Christianity either hasn't done it or is lying to you. These are the facts. It's not that easy. It takes a great deal of discipline and sacrifice. But it's worth it. It is so 
so worth it to be at one with Jesus, to deeply know your creator God, to experience a life going from one degree of glory to the other, pursuing him, pursuing his heart, witnessing his miracles, seeing others grow in their faith, seeing other people's lives transformed and knowing that in some way that you're a part of a kingdom that is so much bigger than anything you could possibly comprehend. It's hard, but it's so unbelievably worth it. There's so much this year that I'm excited for. I don't really do New Year's resolutions, um, but there's, there's so much that I'm excited for. In this, in this church, I'm believing for significant discipleship uh, through a new leadership and discipleship program that we're sort of putting together. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see the life transformation uh, that God is going to do and work through that. I'm excited. I'm believing for new ministries to pop up this year in, in youth and outward-facing pastoral support. I'm excited this year to see men's and women's ministries explode. I'm excited this year to see our, our reach and our, our influence into the town and into the, into the lives of people that don't yet know Jesus expand. I'm excited to see our own uh, biblical understanding um, increase dramatically. And I believe that individuals in this place will experience supernatural blessings far beyond anything that you could possibly ask, think, or imagine. I'm believing for big things this year. I'm excited. I'm excited. And it all comes from a faithful following of Jesus. That he is involved, included, and invited into our lives. That he is upfront and in focus and that we don't set off without him. Is that good? Amen. We're going to pray for one another, um, but we're going to worship first. Is that all right, guys? Oh, where is it? Oh. <laughs> we're, going to, uh, we're going to worship first, so I'd like to invite you to stand if, if you're able and, uh, and just reflect on and, and just ponder on, um, on, on what we've heard, on what God's spoken to you uh, about as, as we've opened the Bible and as we've read together. And, uh, and as I say, we are going to pray um, for one another and spend some time in prayer. Because as I said, this isn't an audience. This is a body of people. And, uh, and so we're going to pray with, for, and over one another. And so as we are worshipping, why don't you ask the Lord to, uh, uh, to give you a word perhaps or, a, or a, an encouragement or something to share with somebody else next to you or whatever you think is God is speaking to you about. Let's worship.